Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut on a lovely Friday. Hopefully you're all doing well all across the country. Some things we will get to today. The latest jobs numbers, the 16 cents that you are supposed to save, according to the White House, uh, because of the difference in a price of a Independence Day meal. That's what they're telling you. 16 cents. That's right, peasants. Don't spend your 16 cents all in one place. <laughs> I love this White House. It just gets better and better all the time. Oh, my. Um, shut down after looting. That's not woke. San Jose wants a tax on gun ownership. And the Chicago mayor says her critics are racist and sexist, plus some poll numbers on how many people believe that there was cheating that affected the outcome in the 2020 election. You will want to hear that. But first, my friends, you have to make sure you're doing everything you can to protect yourself online and create security because you don't have any. Right. I I know this. Everything that I'm doing online all the time is basically being stored and scanned and surveilled. True online privacy is in the past. And your online data always seems to be under the magnifying glass by big tech. You've got anxiety, right, because you can't control your online data. So there's a new way that you can actually create some legitimate privacy for yourself online. It's a cyber communications tool called Secure. It gives you instant messaging and email, and it's hosted in Switzerland. Why Switzerland? Well, that's the country that has the best data privacy laws in the whole world. Secure is spelled S-E-K-U-R. It uses proprietary encryption technology and an independent platform, plus those Swiss privacy laws, to ensure uh, to ensure complete privacy of your data. It's secure and private instant messaging and email. Your conversations, messages, and data will be kept safe and private. And Secure does not mine your data and is not subject to the Cloud Act. Take back your freedom, privacy, and online security with Secure by going to S-E-K-U-R.com. That's S-E-K-U-R dot com. Use the coupon code BUCK for one week free and 25% off. Be sure and use coupon code BUCK. That's secure, S-E-K-U-R dot com. Regain your privacy and use coupon code BUCK. Happy 16 cents of savings on Independence Day. That's what they really want you to think in this White House. This was remarkable. I understand that they're not exactly having to deal with a with a... Serious press corps, day in and day out. So, so maybe they're getting a little bit lazy. I mean, maybe there's actually just a sense that the people that are speaking for Biden don't have to deal with reality very much because the press corps around them is always just, oh, everything's so amazing. But the White House put out an official, an official tweet just in time for Independence Day weekend. Planning a cookout this year? Catch up on the news. According to the Farm Bureau, the cost of a 4th of July barbecue is down from last year. It's a fact you must hear. Hot dog, the Biden economic plan is working, and that's something we can all relish. The Biden economic plan is working. This is delusional. This is lunacy. And first of all, if you're wondering, at a minimum, you're losing a whole lot of money because, uh, you know, re- the retail price of gas per gallon on average in 2020 at uh, in June was about uh, $2.17 a gallon. Now it's $3.15 a gallon, according to the data that I pulled. 
Uh, we all know gas is more expensive. It's a lot more expensive. So you're definitely losing money this Independence Day traveling to relatives, going to the grocery store. And look, on top of all of that, there were uh, supply chain issues. You remember this in May and June uh, that that led into July as well, especially for meat. Remember the supply chain issues for meat? So they they may be able to try to do a, well, a year-to-year comparison and tell you that, well, you could save 16 cents. And like I said, don't get too crazy, you know, investing that 16 cents in crypto and becoming a billionaire, right? Be be smart with your 16 cents, peasants. That's what this White House wants you to know. Uh, there There's no doubt anybody who's gone grocery shopping recently knows food is getting more expensive. Inflation is very real. It's happening. And inflation is the primary side effect. You know, the thing that really concerns people when you are spending too much money and do not have enough real productivity in the economy to support the spending you're doing. So that's why the the 850,000 jobs added in June, a little better than expected. That's good. And notice how I say that's good. I don't sit here and say, Oh my gosh! It's, you know, this is, it should have been a five million jobs. Or no, I when there's real news that actually is in the in the interest of the United States of America, I'm happy because I'm not a commie that hates this place or just really cares about being in power when it comes to America. But there's more than just the eight hundred fifty thousand jobs number for the month of June. Unemployment actually increased from five point eight to five point nine percent. You have over nine. Point three million job openings. The Biden plan, when you look at the things that he has actually done, when you look at what the Biden administration has been up to, things like spending too much money, things like paying people to stay home, the effects of this are that we have a much weaker real recovery than we should. You go back and look at what what was the economy like in Uh, In October of 2019 or November of 2019, you know, right before the pandemic swept in, what was the economy like? We should be there and better than there. Right. We should already be back at that level and on the way to a whole new, greater, more prosperous future, because thankfully capitalism is a wealth machine. That's what it does. It creates individual and societal wealth over time. And we have 100 years now of capitalism and practice around the world to show us that things should be better. What's the problem? The Biden administration is run by a bunch of ideologue, equity-obsessed socialists who would much rather spread around what's there and spend what's not theirs than allow the American people to just go back to doing what they do and, and making this place continuing to make this place the wealthiest country, uh, the most prosperous country in the world. Now, I know some of you are saying we're not the wealthiest per capita. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I'm not exactly sitting around green with envy over Liechtenstein or something. Anyway, it was so funny in this White House tweet. Center cut pork chops down 2% from last year. Fresh squeezed lemonade down 2% from last year. Sliced cheese down 1% from last year. Clearly, they're very sensitive to the whole Your food is more expensive. Your gas is more expensive. Buying a house is more expensive. Why is all of that happening? Well, 
We know the reasons, and the people in charge do not understand the economy. All right, they do not understand how these things actually work. Or rather, maybe they do understand and they don't care and they just want to spread the wealth around, redistribute it a little bit, redistribute it a little bit. That's what I would like to know. So anyway, I, the, the, the Biden economy is weak. Things are getting more expensive. We can all see it. We can all we all know it. And they can try as much as they want to pretend that things are, are getting better. Oh, wait, can we can we play? While I'm focused on getting people back to work and and turning on the economic engine of capitalism that has brought more people, more prosperity in this country and any country that's used it in all of human history. John Kerry, who's very good at marrying uh, rich ladies who got a lot of money from their ex-husbands. That's John Kerry's economic skill. Yeah, it's true. The truth hurts. Here he is telling you that the real focus now has to be. On having a wartime mentality toward climate change. Play clip one. We've got to get a kind of wartime mentality here. Let me give you a measure of that. We are told by scientists, experts, people who are measuring what we need to do to get the reductions necessary to achieve a 1.2 goal, 1.5 goal. Is it achievable? Yes. I'm hearing some whispers from various scientists that we may already have been locked into a course that blows by it. I don't want to, I don't, I hope not. We don't know yet. But the fact is that we need to accelerate every effort we're making. And there's so many things that could change in order to begin to do that. You know, one thing that could change is that John Kerry could stop flying around in private jets. He could stop sailing around in yachts. He could stop living in multiple mansions, but he's not going to do any of that. Not even a little bit. He is going to lecture you because Kerry is really the, the distillation of an elite. John Kerry, more than any other person in the Biden administration in, in, in so many ways, is exactly when, when we're talking about the Democrat elite. Here's a guy who's who's a joke, but has managed to just. Put himself in. I mean, he was the secretary of state, for heaven's sakes, under the Obama administration. And he just he marries rich ladies. Not an accident. Well, you, you do it once. Maybe it's love. You do it twice. I think there's something going on there. I, I, I'm sorry. I think that's I think that's quite a coincidence. You only marry super rich heiresses. Two for two. OK. To fund your political career. So him saying we have to have a wartime mentality toward climate change. I mean, this is insane. This is a religious belief for people who think they're too smart for religion. But this is where this is where they are. This is the the situation of the Democrats at this point. There was a lot about the COVID lockdown mentality that really appealed to them. There was a lot that they felt they were they were gaining in that whole process because people were so scared and so compliant and Democrats love that. They want more of it. They want you to comply now to their their absurd climate change wishes. Oh, it's going to be so terrible unless we all start driving electric cars. We need electric cars in rural areas. And it's like a fixation. Normal people don't sit around saying, "Oh, we need more electric charging stations in in, you know, the middle of of rural Kentucky." We really don't. That's not what the folks of Kentucky are sitting around hoping for from the government, I can assure you. But this is what the elites in D.C. believe. 
Uh, it's it's the whole thing. After a while, you just realize it is so completely absurd, um, so absolutely bizarre. Speaking of bizarre, um, I I, I got to tell you, this was an amazing story to see. My friend Charles Cook with the hat tip over at National Review. San Jose attempts to trample the rights of law-abiding gun owners. This is California's third most populous city wanting to tax citizens for their Second Amendment rights. Let me read you from some of this piece that Charles Cook has up on National Review. The government of San Jose has concocted a brilliant plan to fight crime. It intends to target the people who don't commit it. Once its new rule has been finalized later this year, the city will become the first jurisdiction in America that requires gun owners to pay an annual fee before they can exercise their right to own a firearm. Henceforth, it seems San Jose hopes to be heavy on the bill, light on the rights. Reporting on the policy, the San Francisco Chronicle submits that the measure will force firearms owners to pay back taxpayers for gun violence. But payback isn't really the right phrase, is it, Charles writes? One pays back something one has borrowed, owes, or that will compensate another for one's actions. Most gun owners in San Jose and elsewhere have nothing to pay back. Per the San, uh, per the San Francisco Chronicle, San Jose spends $63 million each year dealing with violence that involves guns. How much of that violence was caused by the sort of legal gun owners who pay personal property taxes and take out insurance? The answer is close to none. This being so, one can only assume the city's argument is that by insisting upon maintaining their right to keep and bear arms, law-abiding citizens put themselves at fault for any subsequent abuse of that right by others. That's right. Why, why not have a, end quote there, by the way, for Charles, why not have a fee you have to pay to use your First Amendment rights? Or a poll tax, for example, where you have to pay to vote. Why, why not have some of those? Punished by the state. Ah, because we realize that would be wrong and that's stupid and immoral. And ah, but you see, the Second Amendment isn't really an amendment. The right to bear arms isn't really a right. That's what the left believes. And even if they know, and you have to remember this, even if they recognize that what they're doing is destined to be overturned in the courts, which this certainly, well, this certainly would be, it will take time. There will be a a problem uh, here in the meantime, right? They're, they're going to have to work this through the court system, and they'll have the law in place unless they can get a judge, a federal judge, to um, to suspend it. It will just take a couple of years probably for this to make its way all the way up. And in the meantime, they stick their thumb in the eye of lawful gun owners. I assure you. There's almost nobody in San Jose that's using their gun in gun violence who's a law-abiding gun owner who will be paying the special San Jose gun tax. But any, anything they can do to show their disdain for people who believe in the Second Amendment, that, that's the attitude of the gun grabbers, always has been, always will be. I was just looking today at my uh, stock account because I'm very active in trading uh, day in and day out, as much as I can be. Obviously, I do a lot of stuff on on radio and I, I can't sit at a trading desk all day but i i am making day-to-day trades and i've had my biggest win one of the biggest wins i've ever had actually i mean it's certainly top five probably top three and it's a trade that i got from carnivore trading 
Carnivore Trading is an elite team of Wall Street strategists who are anonymous. They just want to give you the best information possible. Here's how it works. You sign up for Carnivore, and they send you a text message that says, hey, here's what we're going in at. Here's what we're buying today. Now, you don't have to do anything. You can ignore it. You can say, I don't like that idea, or I'm not feeling that right now. But they're making real people with these trades. I mean, people that follow them, 30%, 50%, even 100% a year on their money trading stocks. These guys know what they're doing, and you can just try it. Try it for a couple of weeks. Carnivore will let you see the trades they're making right now for free. And like I said, they'll text it to your phone. So it's like you're sitting on the trading desk almost with them as they're doing this stuff. You just go to this website, getourtrades.com, and use promo code BUCK to get two weeks free. So two weeks totally free. And here's the great guarantee. If you join Carnivore, if you become a Carnivore, it's what they call them. I think they've got them now in all 50 states. Uh, Carnivore will get you five times your subscription fee or double your money back. So just go to this website now. Try it out. Give it a couple of weeks. You don't like it, you can quit. But when you see the kind of money you can make and how good these guys are, I think I think the results will speak for themselves. Go to getourtrades.com, promo code BUCK. That's getourtrades.com, promo code BUCK. Make sure you use that promo code BUCK. You'll get those two weeks free. Make sure you see the website for guaranteed terms and conditions, and past performance is not a guarantee of future earnings. All right, the San Jose... Gun owner tax is, is really, really dumb. But th- this was also, for me, a remarkable story here. Uh, this is the New York Times. Target store closings show the limits of pledge to black communities. The shuttering of a store in Baltimore is a sobering reminder of the realities of capitalism in a moment when corporations are promising to support black Americans. Here's the piece today in the New York Times. When Target announced it was opening a store in Mondawmin, I don't know how to say that one, sorry, a predominantly black neighborhood in this city struggling with crime and poverty, it seemed like a ticket to a turnaround. And from the start, it was a practical success and a point of community pride. The store, which opened in 2008, carried groceries, operated a pharmacy, and had a Starbucks cafe, the only one in this part of Baltimore's west side. People came from across the city to shop there, helping to soften Mondowmin's reputation for crime and the looting that followed protests over the 2015 death of Freddie Gray. As an employer, Target seemed uh, seemed to cater to the community's needs, making a point of hiring black men and providing an office in the store for a social worker to support the staff. Elijah Cummings, a congressman from Baltimore, was known to shop there. But in February 2018, with almost no warning or explanation, Target closed the store. Uh, Residents, especially those without cars, lost a convenient place to shop for quality goods. Three years later, the store remains empty and its closing still stings uh, residents and Baltimore officials who expected the store to help their revitalization efforts in the area. Many national retailers have faced criticism in the past for failing to open up in poor and black communities, creating food deserts or a lack of access to quality foods. This year, Target made a highly public pledge to help black communities nationally in the wake of George Floyd's killing uh, in the retailer's home city of Minneapolis, vowing to spend $2 billion. Um, So, look, this is all about how there's not enough of a, a support, they're saying. And this is a long piece, by the way, in The New York Times, not enough support for uh, this black community in Baltimore, you know, predominantly black community, because Target is 
moving moving out, um, or Target has moved out. What they leave out of this is Target moved out of the neighborhood because it was looted. I'm just wondering, is there any is there any uh, w- willingness to look at what what happened here? One of the first big waves of protests that occurred after the death of Freddie Gray occurred at the Mondowmin Mall. Protesters began throwing rocks at police officers, and the mall was looted. Target was spared serious damage, but for a time, many shoppers, serious damage, there was damage, stayed away from the store, um, and the place had a bad rap with out-of-towners. So, I I mean, I just got to tell you, yeah, it turns out when there's looting in an area and and there's damage to a store... People are going to say, I'm not going to continue to operate in that area. It turns out that looting really hurts the communities in which they happen. It turns out that the frauds who go on MSNBC and CNN and pretend like this is some kind of great moment for social justice or whatever are just virtue signaling at the expense of the very low-income and predominantly minority communities where these riots tend to occur. It's not a surprise, folks. There's no part of this you say, wow, hold on a second. You mean Target wouldn't just continue to do operations in an area where there had been looting and rioting and where the Target itself had been attacked and, and, you know, the reputation of it was that this was a place that was dangerous? Maybe we should really oppose looting and rioting. Maybe we should all agree as Americans that it is it is horrifically unfair to any community when a bunch of social justice activists decide they're going to destroy private and public property and they're going to they're going to assault law enforcement officers and they're going to create anarchy and disorder. You know, I've spent time in the worst parts of Baltimore because I honestly wanted to see it for myself. I've done a lot of uh, a lot of work professionally over the years in Baltimore because a, a good client and friend of mine uh, is located. It actually has its headquarters there, a sponsor, I should say, um, and and some friends of mine who work there are based out of Baltimore. So I've spent time and and I've said I want to see. Show me areas of Baltimore, and it's depressing. There are parts of Baltimore that look like they just went through, you know, a hurricane or they're in a war zone. You got. Boarded up windows all over the place, empty building after empty building, vacants, they call them. These row houses that are all vacant. It's it's sad, but Democrats would rather sit around and, and whine about police reform because that's the problem. Or whine about how Target isn't doing enough for black communities because a Target moved because there were riots that what, what did they result in? Was there some big change? In in the uh, aftermath of the Freddie Gray incident in Baltimore, no, there was no major change in policing. They didn't accomplish something. Uh, instead, it was just it was just rage. It was destruction. So I, that, that's just something that the, the left will never admit. This they'll never come out and say, you know what, you're right. Um, but here here we are. Oh, oh, the the other thing they'll say is if you talk about how things aren't going well in a city. If you talk about how there are problems in a city, uh, you're you're racist. And if the person in charge is a woman as well as being a minority, you're a sexist and a racist. Here's the mayor of Chicago, 
Uh, play that clip. Your reaction to criticism, uh, Tribune editorial used the term irascible. Uh, how much of this do you think might have to do with the fact that you're a woman and partic- specifically a black woman? About 99% of it. Expand on that. Well, I mean, look, look at my predecessors. Um, did, did people say that Rich Daly um, held, uh, you know, uh, uh, tea sessions uh, with people that he didn't disagree on? Uh, Ron Emanuel was a polite um, guy who was a, a uniter. No. Women and people of color are always held to a different standard. I understand that. I've known that my whole life. And the Tribune or whoever can write what they want. Yeah, it's the, the, the problem here. I just want everyone to understand this. The, the problem here is actually that people are sexist and racist, not that the mayor of Chicago is doing a terrible job. Right. That's that's what we need to know. The, the problem is that other people are bigoted. Not that Lori Lightfoot is one of the worst mayors in America and cannot get the violence in Chicago under control. And people who can are fleeing her city for safer, better parts of America. Now, you see, no accountability. And then the idiot left media, which is most of the political media, has people like Joy Behar who come forward to uh, to say that, oh, also the attacks on on Vice President Harris are because of her skin color. Play clip three. I mean, this is the second big story about Kamala Harris and and negative. The first was at the border and now this. She's only been in the job for six months. Uh, You know, uh, Joe Biden was uh, working in Congress for 40 years before he became vice president. Um, And, you know, what's interesting is that this will be used by the right wing to attack the Biden administration. And isn't it interesting that they go after a black woman? They don't go after a white guy, Joe Biden, as much because Joe Biden looks like the base on the right. He looks like them. So it's hard for them to, like, get mad at at him because then they get mad at themselves. You see, something like psychological is going on there. And uh, so she doesn't look like uh, like the base. So it's easy to go after her. This is so intellectually lazy and stupid, but Joy Behar is intellectually inept and and lazy. We don't criticize Biden. We we don't go after Biden. I mean, it is how how could someone say something so moronic on television and not just feel utter shame afterwards? You know, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. When when I've been on TV, if I say the unemployment rate is, and it's, it's not talking about it right now, but you know, if I said the unemployment rate was, you know, six point two percent, and it's really six point four percent, you know, I kind of feel I feel a little dumb afterwards. I feel a little chastened. Like, come on, Buck, get your game, get your game face on. Joy Behar will go on TV day in and day out. And make a complete fool of herself, and they pay her millions of dollars to do it. I mean, not like tens of millions, but, you know, probably two or three million. Unbelievable. But notice that this is how they try to create a defense here of Kamala. If you if you question Kamala Harris, if you think she's doing a bad job, you're racist. It's the go-to. And, and sexist, too, of course. It's the go-to. Meanwhile, there was that political story that told a lot of people something that is is not a surprise, uh, which is that Kamala Harris is not liked by her staff. People do not like Kamala Harris, who work for her. Her office, the vice president's office right now, is dysfunctional. People are leaving. They don't want to work with her. So I got to tell you, 
Um, I got to tell you, it's amazing to see, and I guess amazing isn't even really the right word. It's almost it's amusing and 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 unsettling at the same time to see that the left wing media will just they'll say anything. Doesn't matter. The leaks about Kamala Harris to Politico are not from Republican operatives. But now when people say, wow, Kamala's uh, Kamala's not exactly beloved among staffers. It's oh, it's sexism and racism. And it's, you know, they just they can't attack Biden. So they attack Harris. We attack Biden all day. I think Biden is basically senile and is a buffoon. And I think, by the way, put aside his age and the quasi senility issue. The guy's always been a buffoon. He's not very smart. He's a mediocrity. He just says whatever he has to say. So, I mean, how much more criticism of Biden can I even really do? I'm not trying to seem like a weirdo about it. But anyway, I know I spent too much time on on analysis of Joy Behar's stupid comments. You know, Meg, Megan McCain is leaving that show. And I got to say, Megan, Megan had some she had some good moments there, because when you're surrounded by idiot leftists, all you have to do is not be crazy and you could really have some some powerful moments. So I don't know who they're going to try to bring in there to be a conservative. In this current environment, it's not even really worth it. It's not worth it to sit there and have people who don't read, who don't know anything, but who just kind of pick up, you know, from from ladies with ladies who lunch time on the weekends, you know, at brunch on the Upper West Side, they pick up uh, what they're hearing about uh, politics and you know they all know the thing republicans bad democrats good that's that's all you have to know to be a political commentator on the view it's not worth it anyway i spent too much time talking about the view but i just thought that was funny yeah the, the right um the right won't attack biden is her analysis it's hard to think of something dumber than that it, re- it really is hard to think of something more uh more idiotic but you know actually i remember when anna navarro went on this is a great moment and Navarro went on the Bill Maher show, and she was trashing Trump. She she was a big Bush, uh, Jeb Bush defender, and she was t- trashing Trump for nepotism and saying the only reason that I think it was Donald Trump Jr., somebody who's famous because of his last name. And then it was, but yeah, vote for Jeb Bush. <laughs> it was like, uh, so turns out that Jeb Bush also has a famous last name, which is the only reason anybody's heard of him because of who daddy was. Anyway, pretty, pretty remarkable stuff. What is happening right now is a lot of people, their eyes are opening up and they're going, wait a second. Joe Biden campaigned as a moderate, reasonable guy, not as a crazy lunatic leftist. And and what we're seeing now, I think, is setting us up to have a very, very good election in 2022 and an even better election in 2024. I do think things are looking pretty good right now. As Democrats, it's just it's just too obvious. Biden shouldn't run again. They know that. So they've really got a one termer. I mean, they could try to push this to two, but that's just going to be absurd beyond belief. There, uh, the border is a mess. The economy, it's look, I'm, I'm, I'm pretending the economy is terrible. We're not in a recession or depression or anything, but the economy should be a lot better than it is. And the decisions they're making are just just hurting things. They're not making things better. They're spending too much money. Inflation's creeping up. The stuff about wokeness and critical race theory in schools is, is exposing how insane the left really is. So I do think we're in for some uh, better I think we're in for a better uh, midterm election than we might have thought even a few months back. But I want to point this out. You know, Rasmussen is a generally right-leaning pollster, I think it's fair to say. Rasmussen tends to tends to lean a bit right. 
Um, but this was an int- But nonetheless, I mean, I think it's a reputable pollster. And here's what he wrote. Or sorry, here's what the, the poll says. How likely is it that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 presidential election? This is Rasmussen today. Very or somewhat likely. Democrats, only 30 percent, but unaffiliated. So independents, 51 percent. GOP, 74 percent. White voters, all white voters, 51 percent. Black voters, 49 percent thought there was cheating that affected the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Other non-white voters, so I guess Latino, Asian, etc., 56 percent. All voters together, according to Rasmussen, of all voters put together, a majority, a slim, but a majority, 51 percent, believe that there was cheating that affected the outcome of the election. Now, I'll tell you right now, as I've said all along, there absolutely was cheating because there's always cheating in a presidential election. The question is merely, can you limit the cheating so that it doesn't change any outcome anywhere? But 51 percent of the country, of all voters, believe that there was cheating that affected the outcome. Now, I know you could say, well, Buck, doesn't that just coincide with, you know, the, you know, basically the GOP plus a few independents? I mean, 49 percent of black voters thought there was cheating that affected the outcome. That's not all GOP voters. Interesting, interesting data there. And it just reminds me that, you know, we're not allowed to we're not allowed to question this election. That's that's the new rule that they've set up and they enforce it on social media and other places. But a lot of people, including Democrats, actually question the election. And I think that by cramming down the narrative with all the force they can muster, what they've really done is made people more willing to believe that perhaps there was something. You know, why are the Democrats so insistent? Why is the apparatus of the federal government, the bureaucracy, the deep state, why are they so insistent in uh, preventing anybody from asking questions? That makes people want to ask more questions. And I think that's what's what's ended up happening here. So just note that that is what is going on uh, with that. And what else do we have to, to, to hear? Oh, just just one quick one. I saw this athlete who was supposed to be a 100-meter dash Olympian, American athlete, um, who's being disqualified for marijuana use. I don't get this. I don't get this. Why is marijuana? Doesn't it make you run slower? I mean, who, who cares if someone smoked marijuana and then they want to go compete in the Olympics. It's not a performance-enhancing drug. So I I don't understand that. And at a time when, as everyone is pointing out, you have a biological male competing against females in weightlifting, we're really going to tell somebody that they can't compete against other women because of weed? It does seem seem like quite a stretch. All right. Let's get into uh, Roll Call. Remember, Roll Call continues just like the Buck Sexton Show continues. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or email us, teambuck at iheart.com. Media.com. And we got producer Brandon on the mic today. Producer Brandon, how are you, buddy? It's been a while. It has. How are you, sir? I'm all right. So you and I get to be here right before Independence Day weekend while producer Mark is at the beach drinking margaritas laughing at us, I think. That's the situation right now. Yeah, pretty much. Well, do you have any fun plans for the Independence Day weekend? Uh, We're saving our plans for next week. Going to Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and Chicago. 
Oh, that'll be beautiful. Are you going to post a lot of photos to the gram? You know, that's a beautiful part of the country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping to meet up with a, uh, as you know, a former Guns N' Roses manager who lives in Arizona just to, to meet him. But it's going to be a fun time. I've never been out uh, those states, so it's going to be how fun. Is, how is your podcast about Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Distraction, how's it doing? <laughs> I should do Appetite for Distraction. Appetite for Distortion. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That's Appetite hilarious. For distortion. My bad, man. I'm sorry. No, it's doing great. You know, I've had some crossover listeners who listen to the Buck Sexton show join me in my uh, my own GNR Freedom Hut, and I got D. Snyder coming up next week, so it's, it's it's going well. Dude, you get you get great guests. I mean, I've always I've been impressed all along. You get really solid guests on your podcast. Congrats to you on that. So yeah, folks, you got a lot of people, Brandon, in this in this audience. A lot of Team Buck who are like me. And they celebrate those 90s rock and roll bands in a, in a serious way. They're all about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, be, I'm working from home. If you, uh, if you can't, I know you know that. But that's been like this since the pandemic. And whenever I get a chance to travel, I've gone upstate a few times. And it's been, it's been nice. Right. Brandon's going to be filling in for a Mark a couple days next week, too. Yeah. So you'll be hearing producer Brandon. But don't worry. Producer Mark, he's coming back. I, he's going to love the beach. But... You know, he's going to, once he's had enough guac and enough uh, enough cerveza and whatever else he's drinking out there on the beach. I don't know why I'm thinking he's having Mexican food in my head, but I am. But once he's done with that and getting a little sunburned on his nose and stuff, he's going to come back and he'll be ready to rock in the Freedom Hub. But we got Brandon holding it down. An Appetite for Distortion is his podcast. So folks should definitely go check it out and hear what Brandon's talking about with 90s rock icons. All right, Dave, first up here in Roll Call. Hey, Buck, I'm listening to the podcast. We were talking about Biden's gun control and his laughable knowledge of the Second Amendment. It always amazes me how ignorant the left is when it comes to gun control. And I'm cracking up at your reaction to Joy Behar and her garbage take on the crime spike. You asked if facts matter, and I started laughing so hard it brought tears to my eyes. Of course facts don't matter to the left. I absolutely love the new show. I listen to both the podcast of the Buck Sexton Show and the podcast of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Shields, hi. Well, that's awesome, Dave. Thank you so much, man. We... we uh we really appreciate that. You know, the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show is, I think we're at number four in all news categories right now. So we've really had a nice boost on the podcast side. And I would love for, you know, folks to li- who listen to that to uh, listen to this and vice versa. Uh, Gabriel. Hey, gang, just a friendly reminder uh, from a longtime follower and listener. What is going on with the next episode of Shields High? Why is it taking so long? My family and I have really been looking forward to it and thoroughly enjoyed the other podcasts in the series. All right. All right. Uh, I think it's is it Gabriel or or Gabriel. I think it's a V, but I don't know if that's a typo. So it, it looks like it's. I've never heard of Gabriel as a name. If it is, I apologize, but it might be Gabriel. Anyway, um, it's coming. It's coming. I know. I am. I am delayed, but I did have to uh, get linked up here with my man Clay Travis and get ready to co-host the biggest radio show in the country. So to be fair to the Buckster, it has been a busy six weeks or so. But I'm planning to record it actually over the Independence Day weekend so the folks might be able to listen. Uh, Producer Brandon, we may be dropping it on Monday or Tuesday so people have something uh, fun and historical to listen to. Um, James writes, I want to thank you for being a former bureaucrat who has stood up for conservative values. My fellow government employees, like myself, must maintain a politically neutral stance in any public realm. I started listening to you a few years ago when Beck grabbed you. I thoroughly enjoyed your guest host roles, uh, roles with Rush. I was thrilled when you took over as a co-host in the premier EIB slot. Clay is growing on me. Keep up the good work and keep being you. My son has a speech issue due to sensory processing. He mispronounces some words, and it means a lot. You've mentioned several times how you had a speech issue. I am 150% rooting for you, my friend. 
Well, James, thank you. And please let your son know that I also had a speech issue. I had a speech impediment. I had to go see a speech therapist. I had people making fun of me uh, for years uh, in my early life. And my parents stayed with me on it. And we got past it. And now I co-host the biggest radio show in the country. So, yeah. Please tell your son that. From me, tell him Buck says that he wants you to know that he couldn't pronounce his own name properly when he was 10 years old. And now he hosts, uh, co-hosts the biggest radio show in the country. So please pass that message, James, along from me to your son. And tell him to stay in the fight. Jake Buckster. Hey, brother. I'm listening to yesterday's podcast and the discussion about the Olympic athlete who wouldn't stand for the flag. The concept of boycotting the Olympics over that athlete isn't a response to her. It's a response to the organization who keeps her on the team and rewards her for that behavior. They're going to let her stay and continue to comport herself in that way. Then I'll let them know my disfavor by not watching. I hope others do the same. It's all about incentives. Jake, totally legit, man. I refuse to watch the NBA. And I'm sure there are a lot of great NBA players who are either non-political or very patriotic. I'm sure there are, there are lots of them. I don't know how many. But I'm sorry. The NBA, uh, the NBA and I have a we – are, we are divorced. We are done. I'm not, I'm not watching the NBA anymore. Uh, and the NFL, uh, not far behind for me, but uh, look, to be honest, I just like foot- I like watching football better than watching basketball. But so, you know, look, we all make our choices about this stuff. But that's also why when I ask you to support our sponsors and support people who believe in conservative principles who are running businesses, you know, when I tell you to become a carnivore trader or to go to secure, uh, that's that's how you vote with your dollars and with your time. For the continuation of conservative principles in the media, because we don't have all the platforms we don't have. And people thought, oh, the Internet now conservatives. Yeah, the Internet in some ways is the worst. They'll shut you down off of Facebook. They'll kick you off of Twitter. They'll shut off your payment processing on PayPal or Patreon. So, you know, we really we all need your support in conservative media. And, you know, I'm always very clear with you about that. Janet, I just want to tell you how much I love your program. Well, I loved Rush. I was ready to move on. Um, wow, I love your program. Keep up the awesome work. Janet, thank you so much. That means a lot to Clay, to me, to the whole team here. We're doing the best show we can absolutely every day. And uh, this Independence Day weekend, you'll have time to catch up on some podcasts. Let me say, if you've never listened to the Shields High series, it's evergreen. It's history podcasting. It's a great listen for this weekend while you're you know cooking some steaks or something, throw it on. And, uh, and we will also do the Siege of Malta Part 2 uh, hopefully have it out for you by Monday or Tuesday of next week. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it this weekend, right? I'm going to do it this weekend. And uh, please pass the Buck Sexton podcast to whomever you can. Tell somebody about it this weekend. If every single one of you got one person, just one person, to try the Buck Sexton podcast, I think we were, uh, you know, of all news podcasts, this show, I mean, the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show is like number three or four of all podcasts and news uh, I think in a Buck Sexton show, we were like uh, maybe in the 80s or 90s this week, which because we're not I'm not focusing on this as much in terms of promotion because of the new show. But that's going to be something that we hopefully uh, we can even out in time. Um, but if every single one of you just shared it with one person, we'd probably break the top 20 and we do it next week. So that's my mission for all of you, team, all of you uh, right in the center of the Freedom Hut. Pass the pass the buck. Tell one person. Just say, hey, and the best thing to do is to email or text them a link to the podcast. Be like, hey, check out this guy's podcast. You know, that's the way to really get somebody to, to learn. Because you guys have spread this show. I have no, I have no marketing budget. I, you, you spread this to other people. Anyway, most importantly of all, have a great Independence Day weekend. Really enjoy it. You know, we're in a much better place this July as a country than we were last July. 
And so make sure you get out there, breathe a lot of fresh air, eat some delicious food, spend time with friends and family and loved ones, people who matter. Or, you know, also just find yourself in the shade of a beautiful tree, reading a great book and take a deep breath and enjoy being an American. All right, I love you guys. Talk to you next week. Shields high.